word. Amen. Amen. Good word. <clears throat> well, we're coming up on the end of 2015. Just about a, a day and a few hours until the end of 2015 into 2016. Everybody excited? Yes. Amen. Ready for a awesome upcoming year, right? <clears throat> Amazing things, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm excited. So I thought tonight what I'd do is just kind of go back over and look at a few things that we looked at and we talked about in 2015. We talked about a year of increase and of suddenlies and new opportunities and a shift from lack to abundance in our lives. And, and ask yourself, <clears throat> you know, if you saw things changing in your life, an increase and a shift coming in your life, and, and if you didn't see some of those things happen, ask yourself, what are you doing to m make those changes, to see changes happen personally in your life? How much are you committing to the things of God? David said he, drawn, he drew near to the Lord. He drew near to God. The Lord heard him, and God delivered him of all of his fears. When you draw near to God, when you come closer to the things of God, things begin to happen in your life. And so my, my challenge in this coming year, I heard a word for this year, wholeness, completeness, for 2016, that people would step into who they really are and live in the fullness and the wholeness of their life that God created them to live. Before you were even thought about, God's whole plan was set up for your life. Before you were even thought about. Before the foundations of the world, God prepared and set up everything that you would need in your life to fulfill the purpose and plan He put you on this earth for. Before the foundations of the world. That's amazing. Kind of brings a tilt to our minds at times when, when we stop and think about that. How could God have everything already ready before, before eons of time before my, before my life was even thought about? God had it all set up. Because He is provision. He is wholeness and wellness. He is all of those things. So it was already set up. There's not anything in life that has been created that didn't come directly from God. The wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding to build this pulpit was already in place before the foundations of the world. Why? Because God was there. Right? You know, all the technology it took to build this building right here was already set up and, and it was already there before the foundation of the world because of the wisdom of God. Because of the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of God, who God was. That means everything has already been done. So His wisdom, His knowledge and understanding has been given to us. And I can tap into everything that I need to fulfill what I'm on this planet to fulfill. There's nothing, there's nothing that is short. Well, you know, it was going to work out except God just ran out of enough for that area of your life. Never, never. There's no shortage in the kingdom. Can you say amen? So we talked about some of those things through the year. <clears throat> this past year, we talked <clears throat> in 
in, and I'm going to read in James chapter 4. <clears throat> Earlier in the year, we talked about submission. And we talked about three things that submission is not. And do you remember those? We talked about three things that submission is not. It's not easy, number one. Submission is not agreement, and submission is never forced. There's seven different areas of life that the Bible talks about where there is a commission to submit. Most people think of that wives are to submit to their husbands. Most people think of that. Uh, but that's mostly husbands that think about that. But that, even that passage of Scripture wasn't talking to the husband. That passage of Scripture was talking to the wife. <laughs> and it was her responsibility to learn how to submit. Never is submission a forced issue. It's never, submission has nothing to do in a husband-wife relationship with the husband. It has nothing to do with him. God wasn't talking to him and has nothing to do with him. And in other, any other role or, or issue in life where, there is, where, where we've been called to submit, we, we, the Bible has directly revealed to us the importance of submission to, to bosses, employers, if you will. Uh, government officials, uh, every government official from a policeman to the mayor to a lawyer to this or that or whatever, there is submission to civil authority. Um, the Bible talks about <clears throat> submission one to another. In fact, in Ephesians 5 and verse 22, the verse right before it says, Wives, submit to your husbands, the Bible says, says, submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. So there has to be an understanding of submitting one to another, even husband-wives or whoever. But that we're to submit one to another depending on who is a person in authority in something where maybe someone knows more than the next person. When, when we were building fence around this piece of property, he's not here tonight, but David Huffaker was the lead person in that. Well, I was out there helping I'm the pastor of the church uh, you know I, I'm the I'm the under shepherd the leader here uh, but David knew what he was doing and if I would have stepped in and said well you know I'm the pastor I, I'm going to lead this team building the fence it'll look like a you know some crazy person built a fence because David knew how to build it so the Bible says submit one to another in the fear of God you know, and you can't be afraid to do those kind of things. And if you're intimidated to do it, you've got issues and you have problems until you work that out yourself. Because remember, it's never to be forced and it's never easy and it's never agreement. Submission is never agreement. So we talked about those things. But in James 4, the, 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 key, um, the key submission or the foundational submission for all people is found in the sixth verse, sixth and seventh verses. He gives more grace, verse 6, James 4. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, verse 7, submit to God. Who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? He's specifically talking to me 
Everybody say me. That's who he's talking to. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee. The key to the devil not being in your life is learning how to submit. And you've got to work it out. You've got to figure it out. You've got to work it out. And where you start working it out is where you know you have issues. <laughs> That's where you start. You don't start thinking, well, you know, I do that and I do that. I, I agree with that person. Yeah, but see, submission is an agreement. Submission doesn't become submission until you don't agree. Until you don't agree, you're not in a place to submit. Otherwise, it's just agreement. That's why submission's not easy. I've had people tell me, well, that's easy. You know, I've always, I've always known how to submit, and I've, I like submission. No, you don't. You, you, you just, you've just dodged uh, and, and found ways to just be in agreement so you don't buck the system. No, but real submission, when you believe in something and you have to submit to someone else's idea, is where it all is. Jesus' ultimate sacrifice really wasn't the ultimate sacrifice. It was, but it was really the ultimate act of submission. When Jesus was in the garden, he said, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. In other words, Jesus' will and the Father's were different. And he had to submit to Father's will. He said, if there's any other way, but not my will, yours will be done. The ultimate act of submission. Was that easy? He was sweating drops of blood. You know what he was seeing? He was seeing you. And you. And all of us. All of humanity. That's what he was seeing. Was it easy? How could one man take on the sins of all of humanity that ever lived, ever did live then, or ever will live? I don't know, but he did. It wasn't easy, but he accomplished it. If he can do it, and he came here to become the Son of Man, the one who was leading the way, then you and I have to work it out in our lives and learn what ultimate submissions are really all about in our life. Seven different categories when we talked about that when we were discussing this passage. Another thing that we talked about in 2015 was connection. <clears throat> Our connection with the church and, and understanding church. And 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 says, <clears throat> but if I am delayed, Paul says, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. And we talked in that series about in the Old Testament, that the house of God was where God's heart was and what His eyes were upon. Today, the heart of God and His eyes are on His house. And this passage says that the house of God, which is the church, you notice that, the house of God, which is the church of the living God. So the house of God in the New Testament is the church. And Ephesians 1 says, the church is his body. And we talked about the importance of connection to the church, which is the body of Jesus Christ. In other words, to see the works done that Jesus did, and we've been called to do those same kind of works, we have to be connected. 
The importance of connection. If there's not connection, then there's division. And when there's division, then there's no power, there's no results. The importance of connection is not only that people are connected physically, I mean that they show up, but that their hearts are in it. And when we understand true connection, then we see victory. The house of God is the church, which is His body, and that's who we are. And our effectiveness is determined in our connections. When we're connected to something that's bigger than we are, that's where the power comes to prosper and to advance and see the manifestation of God's power. And so we talked about that in 2015. And a couple of different times we talked about it. Um, We talked... over, a, over about a three-month period of time in, in a series or a title regarding evangelism. Everybody remember we talked about evangelism. And one of the things, one of the series that we did was entitled Lost. And we were in Luke chapter 15. Let's look at that just for a second. Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> In verse 1 it says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. And we spend a lot of time on this. And I, I really, you know, you can go online and listen to the messages and download them or just listen to them. But we spent a lot of time on this area this year because I believe of the importance of the time that we live that we're living in. The harvest is ripe and we need to be laborers that are ready for the harvest. And and in the series on on the loss that we did, we talked about the the the, the three different groups of people. Everybody's in one of these three groups out of this passage. There's the lost sheep. Okay, well that, that sheep was part of the 99 or the church. And that, that sheep strayed, left the flock. There's all kinds of people that leave the flock of God today because, you know, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ... It's either loved or hated. It's either popular or it's not. And in, in, a, lot of, in, in, a, in a lot of circles in, in our world, the church looks weak and it looks, it, it, it's, it's non-relevant. It, it doesn't relate to people. It doesn't connect with people. And, and the importance of us being aware of people that have strayed and, and making sure that we help them is vital. You know, and, and it's not helping them by like, you know, lassoing them and bringing, to bring, to, to be able to put someone on your neck and bring them home, it takes being very creative because people get offended or hurt in a lot of different ways. And, and God's anointing and his wisdom is inside of us to help people. 
And you know, God, God really wants everybody sitting here today to really be aware of other people's lives other than your own. He really does. Well, the second, the second object in this passage of Scripture is the lost coin. And the lost coin represents lost people. People that are not born again. And they're everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. I've got a new guy on my list. And uh, I won't tell you where he's at. You might figure it out, but you, I won't tell you where he's at. But again, you know, I only see the guy for about 30 seconds a day. And sometimes it's every other day, or maybe it's only three or four times a week. But I only see this guy uh, maybe 30 seconds when I see him because I see him in a drive-thru. But I'm after him, you know. And for the longest time... Uh, he, 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 for some reason, he just, he wouldn't give me nothing, not the time of day. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'd come and say something nice to the guy, so I thought, nah, I'm going to hit a different approach. So, so we pull, I pulled up to the drive through window one day, and, and he's, he's there, and he says something to me, and I just stared at him. And he kind of looked back at me because I've been through a few times and I was talkative or whatever and I just stared at him. And uh, he gave me what I was there to get and I just drove off. Came back the next day, did the same exact thing. So the next time I came through, I heard his voice. I, I was aware of his voice now. And I heard his voice and I said, hey, having a good day? what? <laughs> he asked me what I want. I said, you having a good day? Uh, yeah, yeah. And so get up to the window and I had a different attitude and so did he. And ever since then, things have changed. You got to be creative sometimes. I was thinking, you know what? Because see, I like people that don't like me. I like them. I mean, I, I mean they're a challenge and I go after them. I mean, I've seen I can't tell you how many people I've seen born again. I've, I've seen them get born again as a result of me going after them with the love of God. And, and no matter how they act or whatever. And so I just got created with this guy. And so, you know, he's lost. I know he's lost. It doesn't matter who he is. I know in my gut he's lost. Maybe he made a confession when he was a kid. Maybe whatever. But he, he is he is not demonstrating, I'm not talking about smiling or whatever kind of thing about being born again, but I'm telling you this guy's not born again and I'm after him. And, and the way I consider it now is what I've shared with that guy is not returning void and I promise you that guy will get born again one of these days. I may not pick the fruit, but I'm sowing the seed. Amen? One, one, one plants and one waters, but God brings the increase. This guy, he's coming into the kingdom of God. Seen it happen like this? Probably over a hundred times. I don't know how many. I can't sit and count. Hundreds probably of times I've seen things like this happen through the years as a result of just my life. Okay? So then there's a third category that we talked about. And it's the lost son. And the lost son's different than the one that just strayed because the lost son was full of pride. He knew he knew better. He knew he didn't need father's house. He knew that, you know, what Father had done in grow, growing him up to a certain level, he knew that he could make it on his own and do whatever he wanted to do. And what happened? He found it, he, he finally came, the Bible says he came to himself. Where? In the pigsty. 
you know, and, you, and pigsty can be whatever, you know. You think you don't need a connection. There's been lots of people on sports teams that thought their team won a national championship because of how good they were. Well, they found out when, hey, I'm not staying with this team, I'm going to go get more money, and then they realized they didn't win any more championships. It really wasn't about them. It was the fact that, yeah, he, they had a good, they were strong and they were good at what they did, but he needed the rest of the team. You see? And when you get in pride like that and you go off and you do your own thing, we've got to be ready for them coming back. We've got to believe God for people to come back. I'm telling you, we're living in a day and an hour and a time when these kinds of things, we've got to be ready and on guard and prepared for because there's people everywhere that need the kingdom of God. Can you... Can you say amen to that? They need the kingdom of God that's already in you, and it needs to come out of you. You can't just keep it inside. We've got to be aware of people. We've got to be aware of people that have strayed. We've got to be aware of people that are lost, and we've got to be aware of people that are in pride. What does that mean? I can't be a strayer myself. I can't be in pride myself. I can't allow myself to even appear to be someone that is so about themselves that they appear to everybody else that they're lost. There's a lot of Christians that appear that way because they're so about themselves. So we talked about that. We went through a lot of different scriptures in regards to that. Um, And um, another thing that we talked about out of James 3, remember the series that we did on faith for others. Faith for others. <clears throat> and I took a little bit different approach. The title was um, not exactly what you would have thought in the scriptures that we used and that we taught from. The Bible says in Proverbs that death and life are in the power of what we say. And that was one of our foundational scriptures. The other passage was found in James 3, starting with verse 1. My brethren, Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things, and if anyone does not stumble in word, and the the Amplified says he never says the wrong thing, he is a perfect or a mature man, able also to bridle his whole body, to control his whole life and his whole nature. So we talked about that When you look at the life of Jesus, people were healed because their faith grew to a level that Jesus was at. The faith that Jesus operated in, people wanted that, and they gravitated toward it. And so people, I mean, you know, the the Bible's real clear that, that all of the healings and miracles and things that happened in Jesus' ministry, there's not... There's not libraries enough to, you know, handle books that would hold all the things that Jesus did. We, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have just a few examples of things that happened in His ministry. I mean, I mean, He was here three and a half years, and it was constant. Listen to me. The man was preaching the gospel three, four, five, six, seven times a day for three and a half years. Constant. Everywhere he went. He tried to, there are times in Scripture we see he's trying to have a conversation with someone and he turns around and there's all these people that heard exactly what he said. They followed him everywhere. 
He had to escape and hide out because people were after him all the time. He had to find the time to be with the Father constantly. And when you look at Jesus' life, his faith and the level of his faith caused other people's faith to arise and receive their healing and their deliverance. The way we have faith for others is to be strong in faith. And, and that, what we talked about in that series, being strong in faith happens when we declare over ourselves and we hear ourselves saying what God's Word says about us instead of believing what the enemy tries to lie to us about, about our lives. Maybe in the past, things haven't been good for you. They haven't worked. You've sensed things in your life or you have felt like a failure in a certain area. The enemy will beat you up with that. And if that's the way you feel, you have no faith for other people. People, don't, people will not arise to a failure mentality and be healed in their bodies and have faith for that. They have faith for people that are confident in who they are. People that present themselves and know what they're doing. They're confident in, in, in the person that they are. Not too long ago, I had, a, had a, a, well, a friend of mine had a friend that was a, <clears throat> he, was, he was in the Navy. And he retired from the Navy at a young age. He'd been in the Navy for about 12 years and he retired from the Navy. And while he was in the Navy, he became a golfer. He didn't play golf before that, but for 12 years he played golf in the Navy and probably had a lot of opportunities to play, you know, around the world. So he played golf in the Navy, and when he, about two years before he retired, he really, and the guy's born again, and, and he really believed God showed him that he was going to play professional golf. And I mean, he got really stirred up about this thing. So earlier in the year, I didn't know the guy at the time, but earlier in the year, um, he retired from the Navy, and he, his plans were to go to, Q, to qualifying school for the PGA Tour. And so uh, a friend of mine called me and said, do you know anything about a guy like that getting support to play on the PGA Tour? Because I, I was raised in golf and my dad and all these things. I said, yeah. I said, I don't know, I know all about it. I said, I, I did it myself, but it was years ago. I said, I'm not sure if it's exactly the same, but I'll find out. So I did some research and talked to my, my father and, and, uh, and, and found out about it and how to raise money for things like that, you know. And so um, as I was sharing this with the guy, he said, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to presume and I don't want to this. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, how you present yourself is about 98% of the whole thing. If you don't believe in who you are and you don't believe in your talent, because I've, I've played golf with the guy and the guy's amazing. I mean, he's got amazing ability. But there's all kinds of people, and no matter whether it's golf or anything else that you do, there's all kinds of people that have tons of talent and ability, but if they don't believe in themselves and what they believe they can do, how they present themselves to other people will shoot it down. If you have no faith that Jesus will heal, then you're not presenting, you're not presenting yourself as a minister of the gospel in, in delivering to other people what Jesus wants through you. See, we don't know Jesus after the flesh anymore. The only Jesus that people in the world will see is the Jesus in you, right? And how we present ourselves is determined 
on how much we really spend time connecting ourselves to God. And when I connect to God and I see myself the way God sees me, okay, then I present that to other people and people's faith level rises. See, but it'll never change if what I say about myself and what I think about myself is not according to the Word. And, and listen, there's not anybody sitting here today that's not had thoughts about yourself that were contrary to the Word. I don't care who you are. So this has to change, and it changes by what I begin to say over myself. Hmm? I'm not a failure. Fear does not grip my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world or anything that is in the world. The devil is defeated. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places are rendered void and ineffective against my life in the name of Jesus. I see clearly, I hear clearly, and I'm on the receiving end of everything that God has for me. And on and on and on. Those things have to be coming out of our mouth so we're hearing ourselves say what God says about us. And, and many times... There are things you might be going through that you don't feel that way, but that's what God says. And if you don't say what God says, you're going to find yourself repeating and believing what the enemy's telling you are. See, you worthless piece of crud, you didn't do that right, and you're no good, and all these things. And I promise you, people will not gravitate towards loser. I know. I had a loser mentality. I'm not a loser today. I've done things in, in my life that... If someone else saw it, it would look like I might be a loser, okay? But I'm not a loser. I'm a winner in Christ. Hmm? I'm a world overcomer who is overcoming by my faith in what Jesus accomplished. And when I have faith in what he accomplished, then what he accomplishes comes through me, and other people's faith gravitates toward that, and it lifts them to another level, and they receive what, they, what, what they're called to receive. Nobody... Nobody was created with limitations, not anybody. And so in our Faith for Others series, that's what we talked about and, and went through and discussed. Um, another series that we did was <clears throat> uh, our thankful series, having an attitude of gratitude. Everybody remember that? We're in Psalm 100. Let's look at that. Just a reminder, let's read it. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise or a shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with what? With thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16 gives us three things that are the will of God for our lives. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God for our lives. The will of God for your life is to have a heart of thankfulness at all times. No matter what's going on, no matter what you're experiencing in life, we don't thank God for the thing that we're struggling in. We're thanking Him for who He is in the midst of it. Right? And the more I do that, and the more I pray, and the more I rejoice in the midst of those things, and it becomes a part of my life, then there's no time for complaining. There's no time for bitterness and unforgiveness. 
Those things become a thing of the past because why? Because what's in my mouth that's going in my ears is changing my heart and it's preparing me to be the person that God created me to be. Before you were even thought about, this was the will of God for your life. People, tell, people have said this to me through the years all the time. You know, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. Right there. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, 17, and 18. And it's not a lot of verses. <laughs> I mean, it's not a lot of words. Very short verses. <laughs> That's the will of God for your life. Very compact and to the point. Because everything else, it, you know, Whatever, whatever vocation you find yourself in in the natural should come from this, not from what you try to dream up or think up in your own mind. When, I, when I'm a rejoicer and I'm a person, you know, that prays without ceasing, well, you know, I can't pray 24 hours. I'm busy. i got things to do. That's, it's an attitude of prayer. When, when, when I, in all things, give thanks, in other words, thanking God even when things seem to not work out, what it does, what evolves from that is a clear mind and a clear attitude and, and, and vision into what God's plan is for my life, what He created me for, that He created me for even before the foundation of the world. And I tell you what, for a lot of people, that's kind of mind-boggling. For a lot of people, it's hard to believe that there was actually something that God had planned for your life. And what happens is, because most people don't want to take the time to do the things we're talking about right here and create that thankful heart, most people, the big majority of people, go to the grave and never fulfill the plan of God for their life. They never tap into what that really was. Because first and foremost, it was this. First and foremost, along with this, was to be a minister of reconciliation, seeing people reconcile back to God. That's what we're here for, first and foremost. So it doesn't matter whether you flip hamburgers at McDonald's or, you know, you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. It doesn't matter either way. There's all kinds of people in both environments that need to be reconciled to God. And when we see that as our vision, then whatever you do in the natural, God says, I'll put what I want to happen on the inside of you and then I'll bring it to pass. So if you're flipping hamburgers at McDonald's and you don't like that and you want something else, if you get busy seeing reconciliation happen with the people at McDonald's, he'll change where you're at. And it will evolve from that place. And it happens by rejoicing and praying and giving thanks in all things. And we talked about that. And, then, and I'm telling you, this year, how many of that thankful series really took a hold of your life? I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many of you have told me that it's something that's carrying on. And it has to. It's not just something for 26 days that we figure out what we could be thankful for, but that we do enough of that to where it becomes a habit, where I become more thankful than I am complaining. Amen? And the more you do it, the less you'll complain. And this last series that we ended uh, this past Sunday was... Our, our series on the source of all fear. And I just want to read these three foundational scriptures that we read most of the time. Um, Psalm 34 and verse 1. This is David saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. I love all those absolutes from God, all times. Rejoice always. That's absolute. There's no room for anything else. 
pray without ceasing, no time for anything else but prayer, right? And, and in all things, give thanks, absolute. And now David says, I will bless the Lord how often? When things aren't going real well, I'll bless the Lord. When things are really good, I'll bless the Lord. Sometimes I will, sometimes I won't. No, he said at all times. His praise shall how often? Continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make... It's boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David said, I sought the Lord. He heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Not some of my fears, all of my fears. And those of you that during that series that we laid hands or we prayed over and spoke over, I, I, I can't tell you how important it is that when you're prayed for. And I had great faith. I can tell you now, I wouldn't have preached that message and I would not have prayed if my faith level was not high. I'm telling you, if you continue to rejoice and thank God for that, that fears will just leave. We talked about the source of all fears and it came out of Genesis chapter uh, 3, starting with verse 5. Let's look at that real fast. Genesis 3 and 5. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you shall be like God, knowing good and evil. This is, this is the enemy coming, Satan coming in the form of a serpent and lying to Adam and Eve, trying to get them to get off of what God had said. God said, the garden is yours, everything is yours except the tree in the middle, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't mess with the fruit on that tree. Do not mess with the fruit on that tree. Do not touch that. Do not take of that. Do not pick it. Do not eat of that. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. What did she do right then? She disobeyed God. Right? There lies the issue. She disobeyed God. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Why? Because that was their custom. When God created all this, He created man for fellowship. So it was their custom to have connection and fellowship and drink coffee and sit around and their feet in the puddle in the, in, in, in the, the, the sea of glass and, you know, wade and, and, and do whatever, that, whatever, I don't know, whatever you do there, right? That, that's what they did together. That, that was what they, they were connected together. So man disobeys, and it says here that and Adam, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Not, and it's not like God didn't know where they were. He was trying to get them to respond. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. There is the source of all fear. That's where fear started with mankind. And it wasn't they were afraid because they were naked, as they said. They lied about that. They were afraid because they disobeyed. They sinned, right? And their sin caused fear to enter in. And Fear has been here ever since. So there's all types of fear. And fear has to get off of us. It has to get out of us. It has to get out of our soul and our thinking. Most people make decisions based on fear. Well, I can't go there because of this. Why? Well, we might die. Who said that? 
Well, that was built into your, into your brain. Well, we, you know, we, we can't fly to, we can't fly to uh, Israel because we might get bombed and die. Well, who said that? Well, that's what the news said. Well, that's not God. God says you can do anything He tells you to do. In fact, the safest place to be is where God tells you to go. See, most people don't know that, so they make decisions through fear, and it shuts down their destiny and their purpose, you know? Um, I mean, I, I've seen people, and I don't mention names, maybe I've already mentioned names, but if I hadn't, I'll just cover it up. But I know people that have been afraid to drive from one small town to a big town, because they might wreck and die, Right? And I know people that are even afraid to come out of their house because they come out of their house, they may get germs on them. I go in stores and people have masks and gloves on their hands and they walk into stores and they won't touch anything and if you come near them, they run from you. Why? They're afraid of disease or things like that. The Bible says that germs and disease will fall dead to somebody that's walking in faith. I'm just saying the Bible says that. I didn't say I've always done that perfectly. I'm saying that's what the Bible says. Okay? That no germ, no disease of any kind has any right to remain on my body in any way, shape, or form if I will embrace that and receive it. But fear says we've got to wear gloves, we've got to wear masks. I mean, if you've got to wear mask and glove, wear them. But I'm just saying don't wear them out of fear. Wear them out of obedience. Make decisions based on obedience to God. Learn to hear the voice of God. Learn to hear what God is saying for you to do and then do that. But fear will cripple people. It will cripple a whole nation. You know, I'm impressed in our nation how we haven't totally shut down in our nation in in the form of not letting any kind of, I mean, being you know, no, no traveling or, you know, our nation over the last few years and even with the ISIS stuff and all the fear that's wrapped around that, we could have shut this whole nation down and we haven't. Let's continue to stand for that. We're not going to let fear and the fear of mankind or people that are controlled and ruled by the devil, we're not going to allow that to control the world that we live in. Amen? Now, people may make decisions on that, but I don't have, my world doesn't have to be controlled by fear right? You live in a world yourself, and my world doesn't have to be ruled and controlled by fear. And so, you know, things that we talked about, um, and the last verse of Scripture that I have is in Mark 4. And this is, a, to me, a really great example of Jesus correcting people ruled and controlled by fear. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. And on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke, they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? They're asking this question. Do you not care that we are perishing? So in other words, they didn't really know that he cared. And when I mean care, not taking the care of something, but that he, he had their best interest at heart. Yes, he did, but they didn't think he did. 
Then he arose and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them two things. Why are you so fearful, and how is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another. Even after he said that, they were still afraid. Why? Because their life had not gotten rid of fear. He said, he said, why is it that you're so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? The way that faith leaves is that, I mean, fear leaves is that faith arises, right? And, and so if we don't practice that and we don't develop that in our lives as we enter into 2016, things won't just change for you. If you're not drawing closer to God, learning to hear the voice of God, being confident that God hears you in the prayers that you ask for. It's vital that we understand that God hears us in what we ask for. Because those that know God hears them, then they have a right to receive the things that they've asked for. But it's vital that we know that God hears us. David was confident that God heard his prayers. And and what did he do? God delivered him of all of his fears. 2016 is a year of completeness, of wholeness, of being whole, of delivered and set free, of fear, of any kind of oppression and depression, of any type of, of attack from the enemy of any, in any way within our souls. Because the, the, the battle of the soul is where you and I are at in our lives today. It's not the battle of the spirit, it's the battle of the soul. As your spirit man grows up and it becomes strong, then by the Spirit of God that's connected to your spirit, you overcome in your soul. 2016 is a year for us to walk in the completeness and the wholeness that God has created us. He's already prepared us for that. We have to step into it. Can you say amen?